This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded, uh, you guessed it, a little differently. I'm actually home in Amherst, New Hampshire and outside of the studio, and Shahir is off drunk somewhere. So I got a very special guest to help me out. So if we sound a little different, apologies up front, but I think you'll enjoy the special tacularness, that's a word, that we have in store. Enjoy the show! is up internet green eyes are like leather bucket seats to these people welcome to the only podcast about movies my name is matthew kroll and shahir dowd isn't here today it's insane so i thought i'm actually on the road which is why this might sound a little bit different and i thought i would bring in a special co-host for a very special film we're going to review today so uh ladies and gentlemen uh to review the film big trouble in little china uh, here is the one, the only, my father, Stephen Kroll. What's up, Dad? How you doing, folks? <laughs> What's going on? Welcome, welcome to the only podcast about big trouble in Little China. Well, I hope it's the only one. Oh, do <laughs> so <laughs> starting off with a zinger. Before we get started, though, Dad, Shahir has been a stickler for me doing the housekeeping up top. So if you have anything movie related you want to talk to me, Shahir, hell, even my dad about, please contact us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. We will talk about whatever cinematic wonderment you would like. Now, let's talk Big Trouble. This is a film, uh, the 1986 uh, Kurt Russell, John Carpenter vehicle. Um, uh, not the Pork Chop Express. That is his semi-truck he drives. But um, you had never seen this movie. I, I, I honestly thought that you had shown me this forever ago. Well, I'm going to tell you why I probably didn't see it. Okay. <laughs> why? 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 Why didn't you because see it? I don't think I'll watch it again. Oh, you're 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 blowing the load too early here. We got to let the people not. Well, look, the the <laughs> we're also we've been drinking. I see. I thought you showed me this and I thought, uh, you know, the, the 80s were a different time as you can attest to. They were definitely different. Um, and the, the the fact of the matter is, this is a film that, uh, look, straight up, I'll say right out the gate before we even get into the plot and, and spoilers. And if, by the way, spoilers, this movie is 30 years old this year? Is that right? 86? Almost as old yeah. as me. No, okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, so, so it's just, it doesn't age entirely well, but it does some weird special things besides some blatant racism, like the quote that I, I read in the beginning, uh, spoken by Kim Cattrall, who we'll get into that. Dad, this let, let, let's step back from the movie here, too, because I feel like we didn't give you a proper introduction so much to what what kind of movies do you uh, do you tend to 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 gravitate toward either comedy or action movies? Well, this is both. It's definitely both. Could you, if you had to name maybe like your top three movies, I want, I want people at home. I mean, I know you fairly well, having known you the entire time I've been on the planet earth, but like, what are some of your favorite films that you've seen? Probably Dog Day Afternoon. Mm-hmm. Pacino. Yep. Um, Terminator. Classic. Um, honestly, um, The Hangover. The first Hangover was pretty good. Yes. The Hangover is a wonderful film. Uh, the second one and the third one, not so much. Well, the second one is a wonderful film in the sense that it's the exact same film as the first one. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I had to turn off the third one uh, when I watched it. I never it. even watched it. It's one. not worth it. Yep. Uh, they murder a giraffe. I remember that. Um, so, so 
a movie like this on paper, like Big Trouble in Little China, should be right up your alley. In a, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It reminded me of a bad Ch- Jackie Chen movie. It's funny you say that because I forget. I think John Carpenter wanted Jackie Chen to play Wang. But uh, the part, uh, I was trying to find who played Wang real quick. Dennis Dunn. Uh, that went to him because the studio, I think, worried that Jackie Chen couldn't speak English well enough at that point. And I don't think he could. He hadn't even done Rumble in the Bronx, I don't believe, at that point. Um but yeah, so Jackie Chen was this close to, to being in this film. I mean, yes, was there action? Was there a lot of moves? Was it kung fu? Yeah, absolutely. Sure, and that would have yeah. made sense. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's get let's get back into the plot then, Dad. If you could tell me, like a very short, short, like couple sentences or whatever. Tell me what the film's about. Um, it's hard saying what the film is about. Yeah. Um, basically, it's about um. Green eyes, Chinese woman. Green eyed, a green eyed Chinese woman, <laughs> which basically didn't end up being a green eyed Chinese woman. That is true. They they actually the 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 plot of the movie was that a a ancient ghost demon god cursed by the first emperor of China, uh, named Lo Pan, uh, needed to find a green eyed Chinese woman so he could marry her, become flesh, but then rule the afterlife once he died there's a lot of convoluted shit because basically he was going to turn human again right he was going to turn human again and but he but the thing was and then well we'll get into the get his flesh back right but but the that well that sort of didn't go according to plan good old lopan but there's something special about this movie despite how bad it is and you actually said it right when we were when we were talking about it right after we finished watching it about a half hour ago uh and you said i forget how you put it uh, but it, it was so bad right. that I wanted to watch it. Right. So like it, it, it kept my attention. There's something special about it in that regard. And John Carpenter, uh, a lot of times it's, it's, it's like campy. This is probably his campiest film. I mean, he's done obviously escape from uh, LA and New York and then all his other stuff that he did. This is the fifth, uh, well, the fourth out of five movies he's done with Kurt Russell. Uh, and actually the studio, I think wanted, um, who'd they want? They wanted like Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood for it. And then when they turned it down or couldn't do it because of scheduling, they they got Kurt Russell. Well, well, I'm sorry. John Carpenter wanted Kurt Russell from the beginning. Studio said no. They tried to get these other people. They said no. We got Kurt Russell. And I think Kurt Russell straight up is perfect as Jack Burton. Jack Burton is this truck driver character who falls basically into this rival Chinese gangs in San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. Uh, basically these rival Chinese gangs in Chinatown are fighting for some reason. And Jack Burton and his buddy Wang are are caught in the middle of it because let's see if I can even recap this. Uh, uh, Jack Burton dropped off some shit in Chinatown and then he gambled all night playing evens and odds, which is probably the dumbest game. What you pour beans out of a, out of a bowl and see which ones are flipped up or how many beans are, I don't even know the game. Have you ever played that? I haven't played I've that. I've never played that game, but it looked like a fun game. Yeah, it's just <laughs> literally eight hours of guessing if there's an even amount of numbered beans or not. Uh, Jack Burton wins. His friend, um, his friend, uh, was it Wang? Yep, yeah. Wang. Uh, basically owes him money. Jack's not going to let him out of his sight because he tries to squirm away from it, and then he has to go pick up a girl at the airport. That's where, so they both sort of buddy-buddy go off to the airport to pick up this green-eyed Chinese bride for Wang from the motherland. However, the, uh, oh, what, oh, the Lords of Death was the, uh, was the name of the gang that kidnapped her 
Uh, well, see, here's this is the other thing. Uh, yeah, what you're, you're figuring I out. I think the lords of the gang or whoever Lord, they were. The lords of death. The lords of death was right. looking for that other woman. Right, who sort of disappeared. That came off with, um, what's her name? Um, uh, with Kim. Uh, her name was uh, Gracie Gracie Law. Gracie Law. Yep. Played by Kim Cattrall. Up, and that's who they were after. Yeah. And then they saw the other woman with the green eyes. Yeah, so this is the thing. And, and if you're confused by now, if you haven't seen this movie, you have every right to be, even if you have, because so the, the Lords of Death are a gang that worked for the Wing Kong, who were the evil bitters of Lopan, this ancient Chinese ghost with the plan we mentioned before. I, I'm even I'm getting I'm going to take a drink because I just that's just a lot to sort of to get into. Mm. But so they're the the Lords of Death are at the airport and going to pick up a green eyed girl and but they end up that but apparently like there's too many green eyed women in this movie for it to be special because Kim Cattrall's character of Gracie Law is waiting for her Chinese female friend to get from the airport. I don't even remember what color her eyes were. Green. They were green as well. Yes. Okay, so then the when Jack Burton intervenes uh to to save that girl, the Lords of Death turn and take the other green eyed Chinese woman who we're told through and through is a very rare thing. Uh, and they stole Wang's uh, betrothed instead, which causes this whole thing, the tanglement of these characters together to try to. Uh, and they also stole Jack's money. They did. Eventually, they steal Jack's money and Jack's truck, which he is very protective of. They stole Jack's money right at the airport. Oh, did they? He was pickpocketed. Oh, that's what that's why he actually chased them. Okay, and then that's why they went in the alley and that's when they start seeing some 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 crazy shit. Yes. Really so, crazy shit. So, so there's a funeral <laughs> they're chasing they're chasing uh the Lords of Death down driving Jack's semi rig uh, the Pork Chop Express uh through these back alleys of Chinatown. And I don't know how that works. <laughs> that sure, let's just do that. And they run into a funeral procession uh, by the the Chang Sing, which apparently are the good guys, uh, wearing yellow uh, ribbon or uh, sashes and, and bandanas. And, bandanas. Yes. and then the the Wing Kong, which are the bad guys that wear red sashes and bandanas. And a big fight sort of happens between them. I remember that scene as a kid when I watched that uh, watched this movie. The fighting was pretty bad. <laughs> it was real bad. But I remember it. I mean, nostalgia is a, 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 a tepid mistress because I remember that scene like, like, this is the coolest thing. And then the three God characters come flying down. It's thunder, lightning and rain. That's correct. Yeah. And uh, they come down and start wreaking havoc throughout this entire fight. And you're not even sure what's going on at this point. Well, I honestly think the guy in the yellow bandanas. Right. The good, the guys. good guys. Yep were actually kicking butt on the red guys. And then the gods and, came down. And then down. the gods came down and kicked butt on them. Okay. Nope. That's, that's a fair guys, assessment. The bad gods. Right. Being thunder, lightning, and rain. Uh, lightning, they all have those giant hats, those giant <laughs> straw hats, which if you've seen any advertisement for this movie, you see the guy with the lightning and the straw hats, which was uh, coincidentally a inspiration for what I understand for Raiden, the character in Mortal Kombat. You remember him? It looked absolutely it, like Raiden. the same, the same sort of thing. Uh, God of lightning uh, and thunder. Uh, but then they run into ghost Lopan. Are you following? I'm having a hard time. Even I, I, the, the, 
Ghost Little Pan, they almost hit with the truck when they try to get away, but they don't. And he's all freaked out. And then they get away somehow and end up back at Wang's family's Chinese restaurant, where we meet nine other tertiary characters that no one gives a shit about, right? Who was the redhead? Who was the random redheaded friend of of Gracie, Gracie Law? Wasn't she a reporter? She was a reporter. That's right. But she just like showed up. I think I think Gracie brought her in to do a story on the whole deal. Okay. Yeah, and everyone, this is another weird thing. And then I want to kind of get into the acting a little bit because we've sort of set the premise of the goal is to get Wang's green-eyed betrothed back. Um, Gracie is seems to be known by everyone in Chinatown. She keeps saying this is her neighborhood and like all this stuff. And I was like, what is what is she doing here? What does she, At first, I thought she was the reporter and the troublemaker and whatever. And then they introduced this other random character that's the reporter. Gracie was actually a lawyer. That's right. See, you're paying more attention to this shit than I am. Uh, so, well, let's let's talk about the main cast real quick. I know we kind of jumped into the plot, uh, you know, and we, we go back and forth on this. But Kurt Russell is one of my favorite actors. I, I, I love the man to death. Uh, and obviously, the Escape from New York being one of my favorite films, I have uh, uh, a kinship with him and, and John Carpenter. Uh, in this movie, he let's be clear, like you even said this too. like, I, I'll ask you, how, how was all of the acting in this film? The acting was totally terrible, mm-hmm. but that's what actually made the movie. Right. That's the point. Like and and Jack Burton as a character, Kurt Russell's character is kind of a wonderful anomaly in a weird way like yes all the acting is bad and and everything's fine but you're surrounded by like a bunch of skilled fighters and like mysticism and all this shit and here's this random truck driver in a badass tank top that bumbles his way through the entire film right like (laughs) oh bad (laughs) yeah but like that's not something you see a lot of and both you and I cracked up at all the different times like he's about to do something heroic like he pulls the knife and he drops his and knife throws and he flies it, the yeah, wrong way exactly yeah. or like he shoots the gun to distract people and the, the and brick comes down and knocks him out like yeah. there's something really special about the slapstick in this movie and I feel like if you took Jack Burton out of this movie it would just be bad oh absolutely there's no doubt so there's, there's no doubt there's some magic kurt russell brings uh, uh to it and the character as well and then you have gracie kim uh or sorry gracie law played by kim cattrall who I, i'm not familiar with a lot of kim cattrall's work um i know she was on sex in the city but i didn't watch sex in the city so i don't i don't know but but that's a beloved series and i i'm assuming the woman can act and granted this was a long time ago but man she was there to give us painful, awful exposition to shit that I didn't even understand once she said it. It was always like, oh, you mean this, that, and the other thing about the other stuff and that thing? And you're like, y- yeah. Like, she knew everything all the time. She was the cipher to tell the audience information. But I don't know if she... Did the explanation of stuff help at all for you? Like the plot, like the the the, the moment to moment, this is why these supernatural things are happening here, here, and here. Did that do anything for you? Did that help move the story along at all? With her talking about it? Or any character in general. She was the most guilty. The only one that I actually got anything out of was the Eggman, the Egg. Ah, uh, yes, Egg, the other character, one of the nine we're introduced to. Actually... You actually meet Egg in the very beginning of the film. 
He, he started off the whole film. Yeah. Uh, with an added scene, actually, uh, apparently that was a request by the studio because if that that there's a scene where egg is talking to his lawyer after the fact of all of this, the, is the stuff that goes down stuff in the movie. Blowing out. Uh, and they're like, where's Jack Burton? We need to talk to Jack Burton. And then, and egg is like, egg, by the way, is an old Chinese man. Who's like a mystic, uh, guy. And he's like, you leave Jack Burton alone. He's a hero. And then it cuts to Jack Burton earlier driving through a rainy street, uh, talking into his ham radio, uh, not his ham radio, his trucker radio. Delivering pigs to Chinatown and San Francisco. And you know, just until right now, I didn't, uh, this is how dumb I am. He was, he was delivering pigs and that's why he was the pork chop express. <laughs> that's why I'm, I just thought it was a name. He, he gave it to it. Uh, but the studio didn't want to just start with that scene because it's like, who the hell is this guy? Whatever you need to, you need to paint him in a good light first. So have the character talking to his lawyer about how heroic Jack Burton is. And then it's sort of funny seeing the contradiction of him just being this foul mouth, goobery truck driver, uh, delivering pigs to Chinatown. Um, yeah, but, but Kim Cattrall, man, Kim Cattrall was rough. Uh, egg was great. Uh, Wang was fine. Wang was fine. Um, I want to find who is the actor who plays, where is he? Oh yeah. David Lopan, James Hong. I always, James Hong has been in so much cinema that I like the guy who played the main bad guy ghost. Uh, he is sort of a staple in like a lot of, you know, uh, you know, uh, Hong Kong, uh, basically any sort of martial art film or even a lot of like comedies you've sort of seen in the late nineties, early two thousands. He always plays like the funny old Chinese man. Uh, and I like him in a lot of his stuff. Uh, but this, he was like, he was just chewing scenery. He was like, there was to the point where I was getting sick of the laugh of like, (laughs) (laughs) like no one laughs like that. Not even an ancient, uh, Oh wait, I actually have the number 2,258 year old cursed ghost from the first emperor of China. And he sure looked that way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. The makeup when he's like the old man, like, I just remember maybe it was a simpler time or I was a simpler person when I saw this the first time, but the plot made more sense to me when I was 12. It would have definitely made more sense with me when I was 12. I mean, it's because by the end of it, it's almost like you're just bashing a bunch of action figures together. Uh, That's not to say it's a bad thing. It's just, it's just sort of how it plays out. Now our heroes are tasked with getting back Wang's fiance. Right. Who we've spent no time with and they trace them down to a uh, a brothel. Is that where the the, the gang it, is it hanging was out? definitely a brothel? Yes. Yeah. So so they go to this brothel and they can't let uh, Kim Cattrall's character, Gracie, go in because everyone knows her in Chinatown. She's just this <laughs> well-known white lady in Chinatown. All right. That doesn't really whatever. OK, sure. So they need to get an outsider to go in and play the role and like ask for a girl with green eyes to see if they can get her. And of course, who would they ask? <laughs> they ask Jack Burton because Jack Burton dressed up like a geek. He dressed up like a nerd and said his catchphrase of, ah, hell with it. <laughs> and went in uh, and, and tried to get a girl with green eyes. And the, the, even though the madam in the, in the, <laughs> in the fucking whorehouse was like, Chinese girls don't have green eyes. Uh, fun fact. Also, both Kim Cattrall and the woman who played uh, Wang's fiance, whom I don't even know the name. They don't have green eyes. 
they don't have green eyes in real life. And apparently on like, well, the, evidently they did the movie. I know they put in contacts uh, and apparently it's super like if you watch it in, in HD, like it's it's very prominent that they have contacts in. Uh, so nerdy, nerdy Jack Burton goes in to try to save the day. Uh, and it, 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 he doesn't get her that this is where the movie lost me plot wise. If it wasn't so endearing, I probably would have tuned out, but like eventually Wang runs in and him and Jack Burton rescue a bunch of girls, but not the girl they were looking for. And Kim Cattrall's character runs in Gracie and then she gets captured. This is the second, this is the middle. This is the second act of the film. And that whole thing to me just felt like, ah, like an excuse to get Gracie kidnapped, to get Kurt Russell on board. Cause it is, remember this is the eighties dad. Yes. And every single freaking hero or character has to be paired off by the end of the movie. Like these four sort of romances are, are rampant in any sort of comedy or action movie, even today, but more so I feel like back then when oh, things back were then it was definitely more formulaic. Yes. So now both Wang and Jack's women ugh, are captured, happen to have green eyes. And guess what? Lopan in typical baller fashion is going to marry both of them. But if he marries both of them, then he's going to have to kill one of them. I think he's going to kill uh, Gracie to like appease the ancient gods to make him the ruler of the afterlife when he eventually dies. But before that, he's going to have his way with green eyed Wang's girl. I again, if you follow this movie too closely, the magic is gone. Uh, the key is don't follow it too closely. I think it is. But you know what else? You know what helps? So so obviously the slapstick and the sort of sort of wonderment nature of it, the 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 silliness of it helps with Jack Burton in particular. But the music, actually, I will say John Carpenter's band back in the day scored it, I believe, or did so. John Carpenter's known for doing a lot of his own music and his work in synths in the Escape from L.A. and New York series are, is just priceless. And I love it. I know it's silly, but I love it. He actually released a um, an album of like he's called it like the forgotten tracks or the forgotten themes. It's on uh, Spotify. You can listen to really? it. it. It's it's actually about half of them are really good. Um so John Carpenter has always been musically inclined, but I always kind of like the idea, I mean, of of uh, of the auteur director sort of controlling everything. Like this man, like not only directed this film, but wrote the damn music for it, uh, which I find interesting. Uh, but I liked the music. I mean, you even commented on the music at one point. The music actually went with what was going on at all times. Yeah, really. it was. It's it's silly, but like a little bit rock kind of in a weird way. A like, little heavy. Yeah, yeah, because Jack Burton is obviously not the normal action hero. So you don't get the normal action score and you get a John Carpenter special, which is which is wonderful to experience. Uh, so then. At the end of the, in the third act, let's say, Jack and Egg and Wang, and apparently all of the Shan Sing, who was left, who was left <laughs> after the big fight, decide to go and go through the, the catacombs under Chinatown, because of course there's catacombs under Chinatown. Yeah, and, and plus Egg had a special potion that could actually make them all, um, I think it was kind of a little bit 
immortal. Yeah, that was so Egg eventually, once they get through and they fight off random monsters living underneath Chinatown, <laughs> uh, Egg gives them like they stop at like a bar under their the main fortress and Egg gives him this shit that was in this gourd he was carrying around. It was just basically looked like dry ice and maybe some absinthe and they all drink it. They don't tell him what it does and then they all, especially Wang, I feel like Wang got imbued with some fucking, with some, <laughs> with some skill. Cause everyone in this movie at, at the, before the two thirds point was kind of bumbly. No one did. I mean the, the bumbly and geeky. Yeah. Really. The, the good guy and bad guy sort of, um, the, the Chan Sing and the Wing Kong fighters fought well, but like the main characters just sort of like <laughs> throughout the entire thing after they drank, uh, the egg potion everyone was way more competent and they even had the scene in the elevator where they're all just like hey yeah that's let's back up for a second that's the cool thing about this movie is they have these moments that don't really do anything but are just fun so all the good guys are in the elevator going down to the the chamber where uh lopan is going to marry these two women and then kill one and then keep one for himself or whatever the fuck he's doing whatever he was gonna right but then they're in this elevator scene, uh, by beautiful elevator scenes. There's three elevator in the scenes in this movie. <laughs> Once it gets flooded and they almost drown. Another one, the characters get gassed and get knocked out. And then this one, they're all high on that egg potion. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I feel I, pretty good. I feel really good. I feel great. I mean, I'm not, no, I'm good. And that goes on for like a minute. And you're like, what am I watching? Uh, but the, I, I like that it had these asides, these sort of things that didn't move the plot forward. Because I felt like, for the most part, this movie bumbled when the plot moved forward. You know what I mean? Like, when the story was actually trying to be told, that's when the magic sort of was like, uh, okay. And then Jack Burton would say something funny and, and, and sort of off-kilter from an action star, or a silly thing would happen with mysticism, and you're sort of brought back, you know? Uh, so they get down to the chamber where this marriage from this ancient Chinese ghost is being uh, held. And the only people in attendance really are the, uh, are some of the, the, the wing Kong warriors and the three gods, thunder, lightning and rain. I, I think all of them are there. Yeah. But like before they're getting married, like they're doing like this martial arts, like exhibition for them and like handing them swords and testing this shit. And you're like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, why are they doing? Uh, why are they showing off? To these zombified women, uh, whatever. Can we talk about the chamber for a second that the wedding is about to take place in? So it's a big antechamber down in, in underneath Chinatown somewhere. There's a giant skull in the back that the mouth opens, and that's where uh, Lopan came out of. And the skull itself and around this room that's supposed to look all ancient, uh was covered in neon, like legit neon tube lighting. <laughs> Dad, I, I want to say this straight up. So you know this for if the day comes when I get married, I want to get married in that room. <laughs> so I don't know what, I mean, maybe you can split it with the bride's family or whatever, but that's oh, what she's paying for. it. That's what needs to happen. That's my, that's where I'm getting married. I need Skeletor's mouth. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Is this my father or is it not my father? This is this this room was so awesome, but like obviously out of place in the film, but it just sort of made the film it twisted it back to that place of like, oh, they know it's silly. And so that's it's okay for us to laugh and have fun with it. 
And we did. We did. <laughs> Big fight ensues. People bumble through. Wang's kicking ass. They slowly defeat the gods. And then at the very end, uh, uh, it's it's Jack Burton versus Lopan, who is now married to them, so he's human. And he's married to one of them anyway. Sure. Yeah. He already rescued Gracie, but he had the other one. Right. So he was, uh, he was uh, he'd get his flesh back and he was human. He was human again. And Jack Burton throws a knife and it misses him and hits a gong uh, in typical Jack Burton fashion. And then... <laughs> Uh, Lopan picks up the knife and throws it. And this is a moment that still was as cool as when I was a kid. <laughs> it was. In in that moment, Jack Burton catches the knife that Lopan threw, throws it right back and hits him right square in the forehead. Right in the forehead. Now, then like the room starts shaking. This movie does a lot of Wait half a minute, measures. What did Jack say after that? Oh, what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? You told me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. It was pretty funny. Uh, it wasn't like stick around or anything like no. that. The only thing I remember Jack Burton saying, I mean, this, this, uh, other than uh, the hell with it or whatever, the line that he said it repeated back that Wang originally said was, the cops have better things to do than get killed. <laughs> that was the excuse he always no, gave. This was definitely another line he said several oh, times. I'm have, trying to remember. I'll it. have to um, look for it. Uh <laughs> Oh, it's all in the reflexes. It's all in it's the reflexes. All in the reflexes. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what he yeah. said, and he said that throughout the thing too. I love a good '80s action movie catchphrase. That's that was a good one. It's good. So it like starts to do the trope of like the big bad is killed, so the whole place comes down, like shakes and whatever, like the statues fall over and whatnot. But then like it stops, and then they fight the other gods to like get out, and then they just get out, and then the movie's over. Uh, for the most part, oh, which is which is fine. Uh, they save the day. They rescue both girls. Uh, everyone's together. Everyone's happy. Then Jack, in typical cowboy esque hero fashion, <laughs> decides, you know, I'm just gonna get going. And Kim Cattrall's character's like, well, maybe I could you could get a bigger truck and I could like live in your truck or whatever. And you're like, what is happening? And he's like, nah, people always get sick of me. And he starts leaving. And he goes, uh, Wags like, hey, aren't you gonna kiss her goodbye? And and Kim Cattrall's there looking all 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 sultry. <laughs> and then what does Jack Burton do? Looks her in the eye and says, "No," <laughs> and walks out the door. It's the perfect button for what I think this movie is trying to do. It's trying to take action movie tropes, take them like to the eighty percent of like fulfillment, and then just not doing it. And in a sense, it makes it sort of a commentary on a couple different things, on supernatural sort of martial arts films and on action movies. It makes it sort of this, it's, it's, it's what, everything John Carpenter thinks is silly about those genres, he's doing here to say he thinks it's silly. Well, he did a good job. I think he did. I mean, I, this movie will always have a place in my heart. Do I think... As a new, you know, does it stand up? I don't know. As a new person coming into this film, if you, if we weren't like, well, that's, you can't really take away the experience of it. We were having fun with it. Like, I feel like it's a movie you could enjoy with other people at this point. Well, you know, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, I might have enjoyed it a little better. Yeah. But I mean, now I looked at it. Yes. Did it keep my attention? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Would I watch it again? Maybe. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple things at play. There's there's the magic of the 80s. And I, I, I keep saying the 80s was a magical time. You watch any action movie from the 80s and it's just something 
cheesily special. Um, at least by today's standards, because you're right, Dad. It's like it's movies have changed. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the times have changed. The the tastes have changed. Um, back. I, I mean, I was what four when this movie came out in eighty six. No, yeah, no, eighty six. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. So, you know, I I can't speak to the cinematic climate back then, but like, do you like what were the do you even remember like what movies back then you were talking about with your friends or you'd go and see? Probably way back when it was more Clint Eastwood movies. Yeah. Like the Spaghetti Westerns yeah. and stuff like that, which were pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah. like I feel like something like this comes out and I, it's, it's actually documented. The studio, this was a bomb. It, it, it premiered and it got grave reviews and then no one went to see it because the studio didn't know how to market it because it's kind of a weird film to try to market. You're, it's a film sort of mocking its subject matter while it shows you it. And there's a couple films like that now that are doing sort of subversive fun things, but I feel like marketing has gotten a little more savvy in 30 years. Oh, it definitely has. Um, so yeah, this would be a difficult, I really think from my limited knowledge of the time, this would be a difficult film to sell people on. Like you'd have to paint it in a pure action movie way in like a trailer or something, but then would people be disappointed when they went and saw it and it's kind of a slapstick comedy, you know, people don't like being lied to when it, I don't like being lied to. I hate, I hate the up draft of a movie and going to see the movie and paying all the money and getting all excited over the movie and finding out it really sucks. Yeah. You know, I hate it. I totally hate it. Batman v Superman. Um, no, we all knew what that movie was going to be. Waterworld. Oh God. Waterworld. (laughs) I remember when Waterworld, did we all go see that? I think so. And we walked, you, I I was so excited. I remember you were excited about Waterworld. Oh my God. This movie was probably the worst movie I've ever oh. seen. Oh, so that, that that's basically it. We should have watched Waterworld. <laughs> no, we shouldn't have. We should never watch Waterworld. I remember. I you know it's so funny you say that because I I have two memories and I mentioned this to you before, but I think I might have mentioned this to the listeners before at one point. the The biggest movie memory I had when I was really little was when you and I went to a video rental store and uh, mom was out of town. And we were renting a movie and I wanted to get Predator 2 because I thought the title uh, on the box where it was it said. What wasn't it just Predator? No, it was Predator, Predator 2, 2 because yeah. I remember I read the box. I'd yep. seen Predator. You'd shown me Predator yep. in some secretive place. And then on the box of Predator 2, it said he's in town with a few days to kill. And that. For whatever reason, I think A was the first pun I ever got as a young person. And B, I was like, oh, he's, this fucking is going to be great. And I remember you're like, oh, your mom's not going to like that. And then we we rented it. Bingo. Because, yeah, because that's what dads are for. <laughs> and uh, and then I came home, we watched it. And, and I remember loving it back then. I don't know how I'd feel about it now. Yeah, and but, basically, I get a bunch of shit. Yes, and I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, but... <laughs> the um the second movie thing now that we're talking about it was I remember viscerally how excited you were for Waterworld because you're a big fishing guy you oh, love yeah. the water you love awesome. going out on boats it looked awesome it was a huge sort of almost like swashbuckler but in a different way that no one had ever seen before absolutely you were so excited for it and then I remember the turn. I don't know if it was the ride home or even talking about it at home, but I remember how pissed off you were that Waterworld was was garbage. (laughs) Wow. I had completely forgotten about that. Uh, So don't see Waterworld. Um, 
Yeah, well. But as a new person, would you would you recommend would you overall recommend someone who's never seen this film to watch it to not today today, but like in this day and age? I would recommend it to people that have an open mind mm-hmm. that like comedy because right. it was quite comic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and there was some action. I mean, some of the action was pretty good. It was fine. It was okay. It was serviceable. Right. Really good for the times. The lightning effects back in the day, I'm sure, blew exactly. people's minds. Exactly. So, I mean, basically, yes, I would probably. Okay. And yeah. I mean, everyone, dear listeners, you know how I stand about this sort of thing. I mean, I love cheesy stuff. I think Shahir would... Ah, God, he's so hard to tell these days. He Shahir, I don't know uh, if you know this, Dad, but Shahir, Shahir is not here. Shahir's not here, <laughs> but Shahir also hates fun. Mm-hmm. That's his sort of bread and butter. Oh, let me tell you, Shahir would hate it. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> I guess that's so. Shahir, don't watch this movie, because um, basically I am New Hampshire fun guy. So. You are New Hampshire. Fun, you're the original so, uh, New Hampshire fun guy. NHFG. That's it. So I mean. <laughs> That's why I actually sat through the movie. And I appreciate that you did. Uh, I have one other question for you, because this is something that I noticed while watching it, and I was like, oh, crap. Let uh, Do you see any similarities between this sort of style of movie, this John Carpenter silliness, this sort of Escape from New York has more of a serious tone, but has, you know, mm-hmm. it in itself is intrinsically silly, turning New York City into a prison. Um does this style of film remind you of the early type of stuff that I used to make? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I was watching this and I was like, wow, I stole so much technique, both good and bad Mm -hmm. from this kind of movie from John Carpenter in particular, long shots of things happening always hanging on the camera. Like there was a bunch of stuff in this movie where it'd be like, come on, what? Oh, over here. And like one shot, you could cut that. Like a good editor would just slice that, not put it in the movie. But like these sort of human making moments that sometimes work and sometimes fall flat. Random hero zero. Yeah. 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 Right. (laughs) And then, uh, random one liners or zany shit in the middle of serious situations. Uh, uh, a hero that, kind of has bumbly moments. I feel like most of the shit I made from like the years of like, I, cause guys, I used to make movies. I think when I started when I was like 11, like making ridiculous, I think you were younger than that, like silly, silly movies. Um, but they all had this quality to, it. and maybe that's why I'm so fond of this because I think, ah, wow, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself, dad. Uh, the, I think John Carpenter movies of this era had sort of, a big sway on me. And then for my comedic chops, you remember that show, the state? Oh yeah. That yep. I yep. feel like I got a lot of my comedy style from. So I feel like my filmmaking style, I adapted a lot from this and it's obviously changed, but I go back, I'm actually doing an archiving project where I'm trying to save all my old movies from VHS tapes and VHSC and, and, and eight millimeters stuff and stuff. And, uh, I've been watching them and they reek of this style for good or bad. The, this is something that I saw as a little human and tried to emulate and still see. And I still watch them. <laughs> I just haven't emulated them lately. Maybe I'll make big trouble in little China too. <laughs> electric boogaloo. Uh, big uh, trouble in Amherst, New Hampshire. Oh God. <laughs> Welcome home. Uh, oh, this is something I forgot. 
they're remaking this movie supposedly because obviously you have to remake everything <laughs> right guess who i want you if you had to recast jack burton because i mean you just saw hateful eight you mm-hmm. know how oh, kurt russell's getting older he has to take different roles oh, he's definitely older um, there's no i mean that i loved him we're in talking eight. 30 years ago i know and kurt russell is the fucking man i <laughs> he's literally one of my favorite actors anyway uh who would you cast as jack burton in the remake of big trouble in little china 2016 well that's a tough one um nothing no nothing I am going to tell you who they're going to cast, and I think it might blow your mind. Maybe not. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) Now, at first, when I heard that, I was like, fuck you. No, Dwayne's awesome. No, no, I love The Rock. And he would fit right in there. But that's the thing. It was my, like, action movie lizard brain that turned out. I was like, no one could do it. And I was like, well, (laughs) The Rock is a charming motherfucker. And he could pull off that big action move. Well, I actually had a problem with he's so big and looks like an action hero. Jack Burton, Kurt Russell in this movie doesn't look like an action hero. Well, he looks like the sort of. Um, well, he should be a barroom brawler or that type of deal. Right. He but, looks like a um, John McClane yes. sort of. But, but this was before Die Hard, wasn't it? Yeah, but you got to remember that was made 30 years ago, too. So Right. Uh, I'm wondering when Die Hard came out in conjunction. I'm going to do a little internet search. Oh, 88. So this was 86. Two years later. Yeah. Because before that, before Die Hard came out, I don't know if you even, uh, you probably noticed this, but maybe didn't, didn't think about it in the wider weird terms that I think about this sort of shit. Action heroes were Stallone, Arnold, like big hulking dudes. Uh, even Van Damme was smaller, but like he was jacked. At, by the time Die Hard came out, it gave way to the mainstream of the everyman hero. Because because um, Bruce Willis wasn't a big dude. He was Bruce, just a dude. Bruce Willis. You know, when honestly, the first time I saw Bruce Willis, I'm going, who's this guy? I, he, he's nobody. You I see mean, Buckaroo Banzai? Yeah, that was yeah. the first thing. I'm going, I, this guy's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll never watch an action movie with him. Yeah. But then and you then, watch Die Hard. And Die Hard was awesome. Yeah. The, the whole series. So this, in a way, because Kurt Russell in this in this movie is sort of this similar build. He's he's not he's not the typical hero. Therefore, he doesn't have the typical eighties like build. I am a little worried that The Rock is. Well, I think personality wise, he's got it. The Rock will definitely make it enjoyable to watch. Of course, of course. But he just from a character from if I had to make my minor tweak, I just think he's a little bit big. He looks too imposing to be a truck driving Jack Burton. <laughs> the beating up on Chinese people. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? I was trying to think, how how racist is this movie? I mean, back then, again, times are different. I understand. There are stereotypes, but but I've seen way worse sort of like casual racism in other films than this I movie. honestly didn't think there was any racism in it. Yeah, it's it's... It's obviously a different time. And, you know, I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to wax serious about a, a movie where Kurt Russell fights a dude who shoots lightning from his hands. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I was expecting to be like, oh, there's going to be some more awful shit. Uh, but the, I, mean, there was so, I don't want to get into it. It's just it's it's a movie of the 80s that has we had a good time watching. Oh, yeah. And yep. I definitely did. Yeah, I guess just go check it out if you haven't. And if you and if you better yet, if you remember seeing it, dear listener from back in the day, watch it again, watch it again, because <laughs> it it kind of hold, it will definitely holds up on the nostalgia train. 
Um, and I was kind of glad that you hadn't seen it, Dad, because it sort of it was fun to, to watch it with someone who hadn't seen it. I didn't remember half of it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. And uh, I'm glad we got to we got to do it together. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yahoo. All right. Well, this uh, has been the only podcast about big trouble in Little China. There should be more. I don't know why there isn't. Guys, remember to contact us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Write in, did you rewatch Big Trouble Little China? Do you have good or bad things to say about Batman v Superman, Dawn of... Or did you uh, watch any of the other films or anything you want us to check out? Let us know. Tell us things. We want to hear things. We want to we wanna hear from you. Also, if you like or hate the show, please leave a one to five star review on iTunes. And if you write some funny comments, we'll uh, read them right here. Uh, Dad, this is the part of the show where I normally ask people, oh, Steve Kroll, where can people find you? Amherst, New Hampshire. Well, yeah, but normally it's like, <laughs> oh, on Twitter, I'm this, or like Instagram, or my Spotify playlist. Well, I'm right here. Okay, well, you can go to Amherst, New Hampshire to find my father. Hey, if you need if you need home improvements, there's SJK Home Improvements. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and uh, you can find me at um, <laughs> Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L dot com or Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z uh, on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. A lot of places to find you. A lot of places to find me. I got to work on my brand better. Anyway, guys, thank you so much, Dad. Thank you for talking with me thank about this much. movie. And uh, yeah, this is the Pork Chop Express signing off. That's right. Roger out. Roger out.